Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Angie Knoll. She is the founder of Reconciled Solutions. They help high-achieving small businesses advance toward profit acceleration, operational efficiency, streamlined technology, and work-life sustainability. She's actually an active profit-first coach. We've had Mike Michaelowitz on the program before talking about his book, and Angie helps businesses in the trenches implement these processes and methodologies. She's working with over 75 clients in the professional services space, and she's helped on average those businesses increase their owner pay between 35 and 70%, which we can obviously all get behind 100% uh, behind wanting more money as owners and also for our businesses as a whole. So Angie, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brent. I'm excited to be here. So what got you into uh, dealing with other people's money? What got you excited about that? Well, that's my happy, happy spot. I don't know what else to say besides I like looking into the details. I like that these small things add up to a great big picture and that there's pieces that come together, puzzle pieces that come together. Very cool. And so um, one of the things I mentioned in your intro is that you do some profit first coaching, maybe just give a high level understanding. Uh, we had Mike Michaelowitz on the program, as I mentioned, but what's um, what's kind of the deal behind that? How does that system work and and how are you implementing that with small businesses? Yeah, so Profit First has this great concept of revenue less profit equals expenses. So we're taking the um, standard operating procedure of business, which is revenue less expenses equals profit, and we're flipping it upside down and, and changing our model so that we're putting ourselves as business owners first in the business. And that really is where we should be because, gosh, it's hard to be a small business owner it's a heck of a lot of work. And we just really think and believe that we need to end entrepreneurial poverty so that we can make a, a living and have real furniture in our houses instead of plastic furniture. <laughs> I feel like you're describing my, uh, my early 20s. So, you know, entrepreneurs, a lot of times don't pay themselves a lot of money. They especially in the early days, or maybe they're a professional services firm and they're, you know, an agency owner who's paying other employees and paying contractors, and then they're kind of getting what's left over, which I think is why a lot of agency owners love the profit first concept is because it does flip the mindset, but they're like, oh, I can pay myself first. What are some of the top problems that you run into when you're talking with digital agencies in particular? I know you work with a handful of professional services type firms, but when you're working with agency owners, I mean, what's some of the challenges that they're experiencing that you you come across? 
I think um, one of the things that sets digital agencies apart is that we're working with creative folks. And often there is this fear of digging into the financials. It's something they don't like to look at or they don't understand. And, you know, while my tagline is about creating visibility and clarity to your financials, what does that actually mean in the sense of, you know, how do I change my behaviors on a day-to-day basis to accommodate visibility and clarity to my financials? And, you know, I think the best way to describe that is that every penny that we spend, there is a reaction to that. So for every dollar spent in our business, it needs to have a home and a place And it's our responsibility as business owners and in a creative services environment that we are not only providing our clients with the best possible service that we can, but also that we are serving ourselves and that we are making sure that we're in a position of security and safety because nobody acts their best when they're scared or frightened. And we are scared and frightened when we don't understand something, and when we don't have enough money to pay for our basic essentials, to pay for our lifestyle. How, how do you address that? I mean, I think a lot of businesses and agency owners in particular might not pay themselves because their business isn't yet making enough money. And the idea is like, hey, just around the corner, you know, next month or next quarter, or next year, I'll I'll, we'll do better, right? We'll grow. And and then then I'll get to kind of, you know, find that money. And I, just from my own story, I feel like we kind of kept kicking that can down the road, like the business would make more money, but we still wouldn't pay ourselves. Uh, but there is there is some reality to that, right? I mean, there is, while I think money is like an abundant resource, it's also kind of a fixed resource. You only have so much money in your bank account and you, you got to pay other people. How do you pay yourself? So, how do you approach that situation where you go into a business and it's clear that they're not yet making money, but they kind of need to be spending money to make money? I mean, how do you address those kind of issues where there literally is a constraint of we don't have enough money coming into the business? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like to call money a renewable resource. That's how I refer to it. It's it's something that can be renewed. We can make more. We spend it and we make more. I think what's really important to understand about the concept of putting profitability first in the business is that every dollar has its place. So whatever it is you're charging in revenue to your client, that dollar is going to be split up into subcategories in how it's going to be spent. And if you sell more, the thought is that you're going to make more, but you could be spending more as well and even making less. I just worked with a business owner this morning who was hiring contractors to provide a a service and 93 cents of every dollar of revenue coming into the business was going to pay the contractors. Well, there's nothing left if he only gets seven cents on the dollar. So that seven cents isn't going to be enough to cover the operational expenses and to pay himself and to pay taxes. So when we're looking at profit first as a larger concept, it's it's understanding that every penny of that dollar has a home. So if we bring in $100, we might have to pay 30 or $40 out to subcontractors to provide them with the service. So that still means that we have 60 or $70 left 
And that's our real revenue. That real revenue concept is, is available then to spend on paying yourself through owner's pay. It's, it's there to support the profitability of the firm. We all have taxes to pay. If we make a profit, there's taxes to pay. And it has to support the operational expense. So of the $70, then let's make the next thing that we do is to pay ourselves. So maybe we're going to get $35 of that. Every time there's $100 of revenue, we pay $30 out the door to the contractor. We have $70 remaining, and we're going to pay ourselves $35. We're going to make sure that whatever expenses have to happen in the business are not going to exceed $35. If we're operating based on cash received, we really don't have the option to overspend because that money is not there and at our fingertips, the availability to spend. Hey, agency owners, are you currently building, managing, or optimizing WordPress websites and struggling to keep up or becoming the bottleneck? I'm excited to announce Unlimited WP, a white-label team that can help you do more with less. Whether you're building a WordPress website, doing updates, or maintenance and backups, you can assign all those tasks and more to Unlimited WP so you can free your time, make more money, and focus on what's most important. Get 25% off your first month by using the code DAS2020 at unlimitedwp.com to start today. Now let's get back to our interview. Is there a ratio? I mean, you're throwing out some example numbers of $100 in, 93 out to subcontractors, which I think we see a lot. I, I see this where an agency maybe is charging their client $150 and then their contractor is charging them $100 or $125. And maybe they're actually even billing more hours to the agency than the agency is billing to their clients. And then it's creating that kind of really, really razor thin margins. And that's one of the common questions that I get from agency owners is, well, how much you know should I be paying contractors or how much should I be paying employees? Are there hard and fast rules here or is it kind of different based on, on the business? Like you mentioned the $30 to subs. I think a lot of people would think that that sounds really nice, that only 30% of their money is going to some fixed labor costs. Uh, any, any rules of thumb that you use with agencies? I think that we really need to be under 60%. So of, of $100 project, of $100 billing, we can't pay more than 60% to the subs doing the work. And don't forget that we're measuring these subs, you know, and paying them appropriately. But that's not that all that went into that job to deliver the end product to the client. So often what I'm seeing agency owners doing is acting as the project manager. And then additionally, they're um, maybe buying the website that they're reselling or not charging the client for it. So you've got that website and other different software. Usually there's photographer, photography or AdWords or all these different types of things that pop into the equation. And oftentimes it's not that first $60 that makes up the cost. That's just the beginning of the hill. How does somebody go from paying themselves what's left to paying themselves first. I imagine that for a lot of business owners, I mean, they just can't fathom taking the money out to pay themselves first. They, they feel that they're obligated to pay those bills or to pay other people. How do you help people shift that mindset from I get paid last to I get paid first? 
Yeah, so there's never one right answer to that question. I think it is a series of improvements. So it's not about necessarily selling more or cutting an inordinate amount of expenses. We still want sustainability in our business. So we need to look at everything individually. Unfortunately, it's not the smoothest process, but we start with sales and revenue. And are these clients right for us? Is this the sweet spot? And by sweet spot, I mean, is the work that you're doing intersecting with the amount of money that you're paying to have that work done? And is it making raving fans of your clients? Because we want them to be raving fans, then they shout the word and spread it amongst themselves, despite the price point, whatever that price point is. If you're cheap, if you're expensive, as long as the product, the end result is fantastic, they will be raving fans. So taking that into consideration against volume purchases, like if I have to purchase a hundred sites to get that next level of pricing, um, does that make sense? Or is the discount not enough to increase the quantity? And then just looking at the different expenses in the business, the operational expenses, we can bootstrap a lot of things. And there's an app for everything. And apps aren't expensive. But if we use them too much and we're buying, you know, the creme de la creme. So one thing I see often is that there's three levels of pricing for every app or subscription. There's the small, medium, and large version. And we think we're going to use the large version when it turns I was just going to say, we should always go with the largest, most expensive, right? Is that, <laughs> that's because when I go and I, I look at, it, I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy the cheap one, right? I, I need all these features, right? I'm going to make money with all these features. Yeah, well, the super size can be your frenemy, right? Because it ends up on your hips and it also ends up out of your pocketbook. <laughs> so don't pay the extra 80 cents at the movie theater for the uh, the quadruple size version. But but for SaaS, I mean, I I don't even want to admit how much I pay per month in software. It's uh it's it's a lot. It's I think software for, to run my business is um last month I think it was like $3800 and I know there's some there's absolutely some fat in there. There's some 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 I know specifically with our CRM that we are oversubscribed in terms of contacts and I'm just not getting around to pulling legacy contacts out of the system so that we can downgrade the account, right? So we're probably paying twice as much as we need to for that. But sometimes it's hard. You're like in the moment, you're like, ah, oh, I got to stop everything I'm doing and go and work on this thing to lower the prices. But those can definitely be hidden costs. I know, I mean, agency owners typically don't have the physical cost that say a construction business would have or other capital intensive businesses. But I think software can be one of those hidden kind of hidden um, uh, money sucks. Um, are there any other kind of areas of agency businesses that you go into and you find that they're losing money uh, or, or they're, they're, they're paying too much for stuff that they could be doing for less? I mean, obviously if you went to, 
your subcontractors and said, hey, guys, I know I was going to pay you $0.93 cents for every dollar we made. Now I'm going to pay you $0.30 uh, cents for every dollar we make. You might lose some team on that. But but are there other areas that, that you find that agency owners maybe can save some money and, and reallocate that to themselves? Yeah. So I think software is a very good example. Our software subscriptions in a digital agency, they have a muffin top and, uh, you know, they need to go on a diet. So the thing that makes that difficult to put those subscriptions and and software purchases on a diet is because it's a real pain in the rear to change, right? Once you've signed up, you've put it on a credit card and it's coming out month after month untouched. And then to go out and figure out which package is better serving you and which one you're not using is a lot of work and to evaluate that. So just because it is a pain doesn't mean we shouldn't go on a diet, right? It's going to improve our health. So I suggest, you know, working on the quantity size, small, medium, and large, it's very important to look at each of those features. I find that agency owners have a tendency to go over budget and over diet plan, calorie count when it comes to working with the contractors specifically, that they're hiring to do the job. Often the billing isn't tying out to, the billing being the client billing is not tying out to how they're paying their vendors. So there's different issues with not asking the client for money up front, so that retainer money, but the vendor is asking for retainer money and I also, so the agency ends up basically floating or their their bank account essentially becomes a line of credit for the client. For vendor. Yeah. So the agency can become a line of credit to the vendor. They're prepaying the vendor. And then when the vendor goes over hours, there's no flag in the system. That's a measurability issue. There's no flag in the system that says, I've gone over the allotted time for this job. And I'm now going to, you know, charge you more. So that's all about measurability of time and putting in, you know, that red flag that's going to go up that will pop up if there's too much spent. Talk real quick about, um, actually not real quick. We're going to, we're going to kind of talk about 2020 a little bit today because you, uh, you have access to people's numbers. And I'm sure you've had some interesting insights across a lot of different businesses. You know, COVID hits and a lot of businesses had to take a pretty big haircut. Some businesses shut down. I do know of a couple of agencies that have had to uh, shutter because of what happened with COVID. I think maybe they were overextended, didn't have marketing systems, didn't really have a super healthy business. People always say, hey, when a crisis happens, like the tide goes out and you get to see who's wearing pants. And some people definitely weren't wearing pants. Uh, maybe some people were wearing some some skimpy bathing suits, whatever, however far you want to take the metaphor, we obviously can. And then there was also a lot of really weird things. So it wasn't just like losing clients, but also clients delaying things, pausing things. And then you had the government come in and basically say, hey, here's all of this money. Some of it was grants. Some of it's money that has to be paid back. Some of it's money that has to be paid back over a long time. I think you have a lot of businesses right now that we're not intending to take on debt, but to get through this, have taken on debt. Uh, so, you know, I've kind of painted a picture for what happened to agencies in about 30 seconds there. What did you find 
in the trenches with your clients starting in March, right? We all had these grandiose plans for 2020, and then the world got turned upside down and kind of shaken out. What were some of the challenges that your clients experienced and how did you guys go through those and what do you see as the future? I think that the pandemic was this really great opportunity for us to hit reset as a whole for the small business community to hit reset. So, you know, none of the stuff that I'm talking about is like things that we didn't already know. We already know that we're potentially overspending on software or on our contractors. The pandemic hits, and for my clients, it was the perfect reset because they already knew all that visibility and sustainability. They they knew all that visibility to their financials. So that piece of it was very clear to them. So all this really cheap money or free money becomes available. And so for my clients, it was really easy for them to grab onto that cheap slash free money and project their business forward. Okay, that's lovely to be in that situation, but that's not what happened for most of us, right? So there's a lot of businesses out there that are really, really suffering or shuttering their doors because the clients just disappeared and left. So with regards to that, I think that that the emergency money, the PPP and the idle, those are examples of time to put your business on a diet and have the opportunity to hire a trainer. So you get to have this really great access to cheap funds and you can go through and make the diet cuts that you should have made before anyway, but just never really got around to it. And nothing throws you into a headspin as much as economic crisis. So when economic crisis hits and you're thinking about, am I going to have to close my doors here? Well, it makes cutting those subscriptions and softwares and and changing the way you're doing business with your contractors and paying your contractors, all of those things become a lot more clear. And so we're able to easier make those cuts. And then with the availability of cheap money, we can make the changes that we needed to make in the first place. So those very changes most likely needed to be made in December of 2019, in January of 2020, but weren't made. And so this is the opportunity to reset and to move forward in a better, stronger way. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast. If you're looking for a new CMS that can launch sites in half the time as a typical WordPress build, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more information at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. What are some tools that business owners should be looking at? I, I know Profit First has their tool set and methodology, but... Uh, whether or not somebody is familiar with with Profit First or not, I mean, you know, I mean, I give some pretty standard advice, like look at your P and L, like once a month, right? I mean, you know, should you be looking at your balance sheet, right? I mean, I think a lot of smaller businesses, when they see a balance sheet, they're like, I kind of get what this is, but maybe not a hundred percent. What are some of the tools that, if I don't have an, a lot of time, I don't have a lot of attention span for 
financials you mentioned earlier in the show the uh you know the creative type person that maybe doesn't like to look at the money stuff which i think is pretty common in the agency market a lot of people do this type of work because they love the work not super excited about the financials uh what are some of the tools that you would recommend for people to look at on a regular basis and any specific thoughts you have around those tools um, so I think to be an effective leader in a digital agency, you really have to know the numbers. It's not really a choice. Unfortunately, you're going to have to get over that fear of not understanding or not enjoying taking a look at those financials. You have to understand what the profit and loss and balance sheet is telling you. And if you don't, then you need to find somebody who can help you understand those things. Once you know those things, I think it's super important that our different revenue streams are tracked individually and that the costs that are associated with the different revenue streams are tracked coordinatingly. So I can see what it, it's costing me to put out a new website for a client and what the client has paid me so that I can take websites separately as a profit margin from my strategy piece of it and understanding that each of it is going to have a different price point. I think it's really, really important to understand that not all products are created equal and that we get the most margin where we have the most differentiation. So if everybody and their brother is doing one thing, whether it's Google AdWords or whatever it is, you are not gonna be able to charge the client the price for that service that you would be for the juicy strategy piece that is individualistic to your agency. So PL, balance sheets, and I love this suggestion, revenue streams, and also tied with that uh, cost association. I kind of call these uh, business units for people. Like, what are your business units? Like, oh, we do websites, marketing, and, you know, web care. I typically recommend, you know, two to five of these types of things. I've gone into uh, businesses that we've worked with where they'll show us, I'll say, hey, how do you guys make money? And they'll show me a PL where there's you know, there's 25 different line items for revenue. Any comment on that about how people should be thinking about the way that they make money and maybe limiting the amount of different types of, uh, of revenue streams? So my comment with that would be that you don't need 25. Those are products and services. They're not revenue streams. A revenue stream is that either the audience is different or the price point is different, the way you price it is different. A good example for this is in um, attorneys. So you might hire an attorney on a contingency level in which they are, you know, if they win the case for you, they get 30% of the settlement. You might also hire an attorney for a closing for your home. And so they're just going to charge you an hourly rate or they're going to charge you a flat rate for that closing for your home. Those are different revenue streams. We wouldn't mix contingency with home closings work. Just as in a digital agency, we can't have everything, but what differentiates one revenue stream from the next is that you are charging for it differently or you are appealing to different markets and different uh, different people. I love that. I love breaking it out by market or kind of not not just price, but also kind of how how the building is working, right? Like really separating those into a couple of different buckets. Yeah, Angie, this has been awesome. We've talked a little bit about some of the tools, 
some of the mindset around private first, some of the the tactics that you uh, use in the trenches with agencies around helping them to take more owner salary, helping them to cut some of their expenses, uh, some of the things that they should be thinking about in terms of paying people. Uh, this has been super valuable for us and our audience today. You ready for our lightning round? Let's go for it. All right. What's the best advice you've ever received? So my best advice ever received is is from my accountant, actually. I was just trying to figure out how to be a, a leader in my company and hire people and um, find out the best fit. And he enlightened me to the fact that most people, when they work for you, they really are trying to do a good job. There's very few that are trying to sabotage you. They're, they're good people trying to do what they've been paid to do. And if they are not, if it, it's not working out, you might need to look at how you've told them to do the job, what you've told them to do, and what the criteria are for them to complete their job. So that was really valuable for me. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I would say hustle. I grew up on the farm. I'm the youngest of eight kids. And I watched my dad and mom work really hard to make that farm work. I watched seven older brothers and sisters work really hard to start their careers off. And they all turned out to be winners. What we have in common is that we hustle and that we're quick to make decisions. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? My biggest tool is not a tech tool. It's a written thing that I use. I write every week in my Franklin planner. I have the weekly compass. I write down my big rocks and it is absolutely invaluable to me as I try to piece together my week turning into months, turning into the year. And that's a specific type of Franklin planner called the weekly compass. Is that right? Just so we can link out to our member or our audience. Mm -hmm. No, Franklin planners, there's all different types of Franklin planners and they pretty much all come with that weekly compass. Got it. So it's cool. part of their tool set. Mm -hmm. And what book would you recommend and why? Well, I'm really in love with Mike Michalowicz's latest book. It's called Fix This Next. It describes a business hierarchy of needs and I think that's really, really cool because like we talked about, um, you know, dieting and, and having too plump of a expense account, the same thing can be applied to our business. There is a hierarchy of needs and things happen to ha have to happen in a certain order for us to reach the top. So I often find businesses that may have a social agenda that they want to push forward in their business and, and leave this legacy but if we want to leave a, a legacy in our businesses, we have to start with having sales. And from sales comes profitability. And from there, we move into order before we get to talk about impact and legacy. So there's an, there is a hierarchy for it all. And it's super powerful to help you identify what's broken now and how to move forward. Awesome. We will link out to fix this next. Mike Michalowicz's new book on our show notes page. If you want to go to yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see Angie's episode right up there at the top. Click on that and then we'll have notes, takeaways, and all that good stuff 
on that page. And uh, another good reminder for my uh, bloated software budget. Uh, definitely has a muffin top and I will be working on, I, I commit to you, Angie, I will, I will, uh, I will go on a diet. I will go on a software and software uh, diet between uh, now and the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> Angie, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Well, I would just go to our website. It's reconciledsolutions.net. We have a great program going on now for small professional service-based firms. It's a group coaching class. It's 10 weeks. It's called Startup Solutions. And we're going to be starting around the end of October, beginning of November. And it really is marrying those concepts of good financial management with understanding your financials. So really understanding how to read that profit and loss and the story it's trying to tell you and setting yourself up for success, both in terms of your QuickBooks online file, as well as putting profitability first in the business. Very cool. Well, we will link out to your website, reconciledsolutions.net on our podcast show notes page with all those other good resources and nuggets. So if you're on the road or on the run, or on your bike like me, it's at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. And we'll get all those good links out to you. And uh, good luck with that 10-week program coming up. Sounds super cool for our listeners. So very nice. Uh, Angie, thank you so much for being on the, uh, the show this week. Thank you, Brent. It was great. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.